for the first down and still on his feet. RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Roethlisberger looks, crosser, grab, he caught it, fights to the goal line, breaks the plane, touchdown Pittsburgh! That might win them the division! And the handoff to Tomlinson, left side, and he will gallop into the end zone! Charger fans are witnesses to history! And welcome in, yet again, to the Blitz podcast uh, i'm your host mr kane schwartz and i'm joined by my fellow hosts my fellow analysts my fellow blitz pod member mr Jaden kozak who's been grinding out these graphics and grinding out all these power rankings um how's it been man how are we feeling like almost to the halfway point like not really but you know we're getting there yeah feeling feeling pretty good excited to be nearing that halfway point it's I think today with Denver, like specifically, kind of symbolizes a tear up in my mind anyway. Like I feel like the Packers were the last of those teams where we were like, I wouldn't say not optimistic about, but it just feels like from here on up, and maybe there's one more team that one or two more teams that aren't we aren't as excited about. But from here on up, man, we're talking about teams with maybe not exactly playoff expectations, but legit playoff hopes. You know, there's talent up and down the roster for a lot of these teams. There's a lot of true strength. So we're getting to a lot of these better teams and it's going to be a lot more fun to talk about. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've had uh, some recent comments uh, that talk about our lack of optimism for the teams that we've done so far, which is totally fair. Like we talked about it, like it's, and we needed that kind of self-reflection. And uh, we understand that, but also we were, like you said, we were doing teams not necessarily with the greatest hopes this year. So we were just, in my mind, we were justifying why they were ranked so low. Uh, but for fans of the teams, I understand you want some something to be optimistic about. And we're going to try to give Broncos fans as much optimism as we can today as we're diving into our first team in the teens. And that is, as I just said, the Denver Broncos at 19. Uh, so looking forward to diving into them. So without further ado, let's dive into it. And as we always do, got to start with the QB1. And that is Russell Wilson, who did not cook last year, uh, was a previous cooker um, his entire career, probably had a, I mean, he probably still has a strong Hall of Fame case, like, outside of last year. Like, it's it's kind of hard. Like, I think that's a really good debate. Uh, but, I mean, he was one of the best quarterbacks of our generation um, prior to last year. And, I mean, there was rumors he might go to Washington, might go uh, – there was another team on the table that I'm forgetting. Patriots, I think, maybe. Mm, um, it was – I know who you're talking about. That's going to bug me. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But somebody threw another trade package out for Russell Wilson, and he decided that Denver was the only place he wanted to be, and obviously he was highly coveted, signs a big old contract, goes over there under Nathaniel Hackett last year, and it's an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, so not the best season for Russell last year, definitely a career worst by far, but we've been talking about it a little bit. Like you can really only go up from here. Like that was the absolute rock bottom for Russell Wilson last year. He gets another year with his weapons. Um, he's in a new system, but that new system is Sean Payton. Who's had some successful offenses uh, in his time as a head coach. So what are we thinking about Russell Wilson this year, man? I mean, I think, I think he's a top 15 quarterback this year. And we were talking about it before the podcast, like, that's not much, but it's definitely improvement over last year. So what do you see? Yeah, I mean, that is the hope, quite honestly, uh, here in Denver. We saw Russell Wilson play at a near bottom of the league level. Before I forget, I'm just going to say it. So the two teams that came to mind, I feel like Carolina was definitely in the mix for Russell Wilson. I feel like I remember that. And then recently we've had some rumors come out that the Eagles actually made a trade offer to the Seahawks for Russell Wilson. I believe whether the Seahawks denied or if it was the same situation – where they didn't want to trade him within the NFC. Maybe Russell Wilson didn't want to go to Philly. I don't know what it was, but those are the two teams. But back to his last season here in Denver was not great. Uh, it was pretty much a disaster on a weekly basis. It was like a car crash 
where you know it's so not starting okay okay but i know i know i know i know (laughs) i know that saying that their quarterback situation was like a car crash is not extremely optimistic or whatever kept going into it but um it was like a car crash it was like every week it felt like during those first what six or seven weeks they were on prime time five or six of those games and it was just like oh my god this is this is awful and we were under this um, uh, assumption for so many years was like okay just get Denver a quarterback kind of like the same thing we talked about with Washington and we talked about with Carolina we talked about with the Jets like they've got this great defense and they've got weapons they've got a good offensive line just get them a quarterback they'll be right in it and they went out and they got him and it went backwards somehow from, you know, Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, Russell Wilson, among guys that had 400 dropbacks last year was 18th of 22 guys uh, in PFF passing grade, only in front of Davis Mills, Kyler Murray, Matt Ryan, and Justin Fields. So not exactly the greatest group of passers outside of Kyler Murray, who we know also did not have a great season last year. Um but it's really going to be a matter of what Sean Payton can do with this reclamation project. You know, he obviously took a year off himself from after leaving the saints gets this job here. There was even some late buzz that it could have been D'Amico Ryan's here. Uh, but then once D'Amico Ryan's kind of settled in on Houston, Sean Payton was somehow the second choice there. Um, and we'll talk about Sean Payton and what he's going to bring to this team in a little bit, but I'm much more optimistic than I would have been at like the end of last year for what Denver could be this year. And I just, I have a better feeling about Russ. You know, this is a guy who, like you said, has put together a hall of fame career to this point. I really would give it probably, what do you say? 70 to 80% chance. He goes in the hall at some point, maybe not first ballot, but you know, he's a, he's going to be one of those, he's a super bowl champion. It's really hard. He'll sit on the edge of the hall of fame for a while. Like I, he's, Better than, but like you think about some of those other edge guys, Philip Rivers. He's better than Philip Rivers. Uh, Eli Manning. He's better than Eli Manning. Like I, so I think he is a Hall of Famer. I think seventy, eighty percent is solid. Yeah. And so, like we said, Super Bowl champion. He also had one Super Bowl appearance, another or a second Super Bowl appearance. Um, you know, every year that he was the starting quarterback in Seattle, it felt like they were in it. Uh, I feel like he made the playoffs for uh, like seven of his first nine seasons or eight of his first nine seasons. Uh, but on the flip side, he has never once in his career received a single MVP vote. So, you know, kind of a thing that he gets made fun of a little bit for, but that is what it is. Uh, but there is Hall of Famer in his in his DNA. Like he has it. There's Hall of Famer arguably in Sean Payton's DNA as well. Uh, so hopefully those two guys can come together and really fix this because they have an opportunity here. I know they're in a division with Kansas City and the Chargers as well, but this is a good team that really could make a run if he can even get back to like a top 12 level of play, much less the level of play that we're used to seeing from Russ. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the ceiling is like, I mean, this Broncos game could be extremely good this year if Russell Wilson plays to how he played, like, even, he doesn't have to be peak Russ, but, like, two years, three years ago, like, if you get that Russ this year, I mean, this team could cause some problems, that's for sure. I mean, last thing I'll say is, uh, obviously, the running ability's gone. Uh, He's not going to be able to do that this year, Um, but... I think he plays a very similar – he could play a very similar game to what Drew Brees did in his final years in New Orleans. And that was – he supported Michael Thomas. Like he – those offenses were really good, you know? Like and it was kind of dink and dunk stuff. But I think Russell Wilson, if you just limit him to that and like a late career Drew Brees, I think he could do it. So I'm optimistic for the situation in Denver as far as the quarterback goes this season. Uh, But we're feeling just about the same, a little better about the playmakers that the Denver Broncos have going into the 2023 season. Uh, So let's take a look. So start out with probably, I mean, he's disappointed so far. Has that been his own doing? Uh, not necessarily. It's just been a really bad quarterback situation his first three years in the league. Uh, but he came on at the end of the season, and that is Jerry Judy. 
Um, of course, I'm not hyping him up because I made a big China Street trade for him uh, with a guy that may or may not be on this podcast. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, but I'm super high on Jerry Judy. There's a reason I traded for him this year in Dynasty. So, like, I think he'll be able to – he's got the talent to be a top 10 wide receiver in this league. It's just a matter of opportunity and a matter of things falling right for the Broncos this year and Russell Wilson playing up to potential. Uh, but Jerry Judy, he's awesome. Uh, Corlin Sutton used to be awesome, has a thousand yard season under his belt, got a huge contract and has really stunk it out. Um, he's a candidate to be traded sometime this year, uh, depending on who wants to pick up that sort of contract. Uh, but there have been talks about trading Sutton. So we'll see what happens there because they still have Tim Patrick there. Uh, they drafted Marvin Mims. They still have KJ Hamler. So that's a deep wide receiver room, and Sutton really hasn't shown anything recently to prove that he still belongs there. Uh, to the tight end position, and you find out Greg Dulcich is there, uh, who they drafted last season pretty high. Um, and then Albert O was there for a while, but he's not there anymore. Uh, and then in the running back room, they've got Javante Williams, who was expected to have a great season last year, uh, but struggled with injury. Didn't really get opportunity like we expected him to. And now they brought in Samaj P. Ron in the offseason as their new number two back uh, to replace Melvin Gordon. And Samaj P. Ryan's probably going to have a solid role, just like Melvin Gordon did, and we won't understand why. But a great, solid group of playmakers uh, for the Denver Broncos this season. Who are you most excited about? I mean, as much as it hurt me to trade him away, you know, Jerry Judy finished the season very strong last year. Uh, once I wouldn't say their offense got their stuff together because they really didn't. Um, but I think Jerry Judy, I will say you did not agree with me when I said that if he had a good quarterback, that Terry McLaurin would be a top 10 receiver. But you do agree with me for Jerry Judy. Terry wasn't a first round pick from Alabama, who was one of the, like, premier wide receiver prospects of the past 10 years? I think if you put Terry McLaurin in Jerry Judy's place, I think we're not talking about the Broncos right now. I think we're talking about the Broncos a couple days from now, in my opinion. Like, I think... Okay, that's totally fair. And that's because Terry has had time to develop, uh, like, three... I mean... No, they were one year apart. They were one year apart. Yeah. I think Judy came into the league young. If I'm not mistaken, but Terry's yeah. what? How old is Terry? Twenty-seven, I want to say twenty-six, maybe. Because Judy's twenty-four, like that's one of his yeah. big like. That's a lot of the hype around him that he's only twenty-four and he's in year going into year four now. Um, I love Javante Williams. I think he's a phenomenal player. Um, it hurts me because he was in the same draft as Najee, and I love Najee, so they're always going to get compared. And when Javante Williams goes and breaks a bunch of tackles, that's all everybody wants to talk about. But I still think he's a great player, you know, was able to have him for the first half of last year, traded for him as an RB1, then he tore his ACL two weeks later, so that was fun. Uh, didn't, uh, wasn't very happy to see that, but still, I think he's one of the <laughs> best. I'm sorry to bring my fantasy stuff into this. I wanted to read the Dynasty trade, but I, I did, I thought you'd get You could hear the trauma in that sentence. Yeah. You were like, so that wasn't very that fun. That wasn't great. Um <laughs> But he's one of the best tackle breakers we have in the league now uh, at the running back position. I think the P. Ryan signing is going to be interesting to really see how that works out because I don't think they'll use him like they did Melvin Gordon because Melvin Gordon wasn't like getting the receiving work. Um, but P. Ryan kind of did a lot of that in Cincinnati. Um, they've liked to spell their backs here, but that was also not Sean Payton's offense. There's nobody here from Nathaniel Hackett's staff. Really, they cleaned house last year, so we'll see how – Sean Payton likes to dress us. We've obviously seen years in New Orleans where they had a Darren Sproles type player. We saw the Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara split for so long. And then once they didn't really have a formidable guy to back him up, we saw like Latavius Murray in New Orleans for a few years. Kamara was being the RB, like he was getting 60, 70, 80% of snaps uh, on some weeks. So maybe they used Javante Williams like that, but the money they put into Samaj P. Ryan kind of leads me to believe that he'll be getting a good amount of the work here. Albert O, believe it or not, is still here. Guess where he is on the depth chart? Fourth. Fourth. Holy shit. Yeah. Dude, I never he was really, so hyped I up never got the for Albert the longest O. Hype. Time. I never got it. I never understood it. Like, 
That's insane. Fourth on the depth chart. It's Come behind. on, dog. Uh, obviously, Greg Dolchich, Chris Manhurts, who they got from Jacksonville. He's behind Adam Troutman, who was with New Orleans last year, spent some time there, and then it's Albert O. So, yeah, I think the Albert O era, those that were holding on to him in Dynasty, I think Troutman it's time. is another guy. Troutman is another guy yeah, that got goes a into bit the same conversation. Last like, year. Jeez. Because it's just like, okay. well, this guy, this guy could start at tight end. Like, that's where tight end is. I don't want to make this a fantasy rant, but that's where the tight end position is. Like, dude, if you start in an offense, like, that may not have four or five really good pass catching options, you're going to get four targets a game. And sometimes that's good enough in, to be a tight, yeah. a valuable dynasty or a d- valuable fantasy. What's tight up, Chig Conquo? Yeah. What's up, Chig? Good to see you. That's who we're talking about, yeah. basically. That's the definition. Hey, but, man. Hey, man. Yeah. I'm talking about, like, your Kate Ottens and your Logan Thomases. I'm not I'm not putting any Terps in that circle, buddy. I won't do it. I won't put any Terps in there. That's a derogatory the conversation. Logan Thomas hurts. Yeah. I had to throw that at the you. Logan Thomas hurts, uh, man. That was a contract, but anyway. We'll, we'll wrap up the wide receivers here. Cortland Sutton. Man, I he got a three-year 60 last year if i'm not mistaken that's not looking good that's really not looking good uh i don't know if he'll ever be able to return to that 2019 form that we saw him at i like forced myself to buy into the Cortland sutton hype and i regretted it i've never been a Cortland sutton guy i was like last year i was like oh maybe we're getting a little post hype here no there's a reason why (laughs) he's not getting hype up anymore it's because he smells no uh, they will be getting Tim Patrick back who tore his ACL. It was kind of like a forgotten piece that they didn't have last year. I'm not saying that that's the reason why their offense faltered as much as it did, but they gave him, they gave him a contract extension last offseason. He tears his ACL in camp and they don't have him all year. And he was a legit contributor for them, uh, the year before last, uh, before Russell Wilson got there. So having him back will be nice. I also really like Marvin Mims. I think that Marvin Mims could be taking some snaps away from, either Tim Patrick or Cortland Sutton here. He's a big play guy. And more importantly, Sean Payton drafted him. Sean Payton didn't draft any of these other receivers. Sean Payton drafted Marvin Mims. He was a second round pick like that. Matt, I think he was their first selection in this draft because they didn't have a first round pick. He was picked at like 60 or 62. So he had to be at least one of their first selections. Uh, Like, that also really, really matters uh, when you're talking about who could be getting playtime here. So I definitely think that there's a chance that he takes the job of maybe like a Tim Patrick um, or at least cutting into his snaps pretty significantly. But overall, it's a very middling group I, we've rambled on. Holy shit, we're at 17 minutes. We have rambled on about this for entirely too long now. But for a, for the fucking group that we we're have. We're trying 16, to be optimistic. Yes, I'm t- li- listen to all that positivity that I just said, though, except for the yes, Portland Sutton exactly. piece. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on. Uh, but let's, yeah. Let's move on. Last thing I'll say, Sean Payton seems to have a love affair with Tim Patrick. He's been speaking very highly of him and talking about him like a franchise wide receiver. Uh, that might be just a load of bullshit, uh, but we'll see how that goes. So let's move on from the playmakers and let's dive into this offensive line, which we have ranked pretty high, man. We've got them ranked at 13. Uh, which is definitely towards the top of the league for sure. And uh, as always, I'll let you take it away. Appreciate it, Kane. I really do. You're, <laughs> you're a doll. Um, oh, that light. Um, Denver's offensive line, you know, this is – I kind of felt like 13 was a little bit high for this group as well, but they did make the big side – wow, you're not going to be able to read those that center – It's been driving me insane. I'd like the last three times that we've had a graphic, I've had to like squish some names together because it's two really long names next to each other in Lloyd Cushenberry and Mike McGlinchey. Um, (laughs) But Mike McGlinchey, I thought that was a really surprising. This is why I don't talk about offensive linemen. Fair. Yeah. This, this is the analysis that you guys come here and are looking for. Um, (laughs) Mike McGlinchey. I really thought that that was like not a weird signing, but just kind of surprising. Like I really didn't think that they would, go out and spend big money on a tackle uh 
when, I mean, this is a solid offensive line. I just didn't think that that was a position they'd be targeting, especially at the price that they gave Mike McGlinchey. I believe it was a five-year, $80 million, maybe five-year, 75. Like, that's a pretty big number, uh, even in today's tackle market. They also go out and get Ben Powers. Now, that's a sneaky, underrated signing that I like a lot. Ben Powers was has been very good for the Ravens for the last few years. Uh, you've got Quinn Miners coming back, I believe it was a second-round pick two years ago. Uh, he's got the starting job here again. Lloyd Cushenberry, average starting center not really losing anything not really gaining anything he's just kind of a guy uh but garrett bowles is one of the better left tackles in the nfl is the best tackle on this line that's why he's the biggest player on this graphic so once again this is a solid group it's not going to kill you i don't think that they're going to be like mowing teams down because of this offensive line um but i really i like the fact that they're adding to it and i like the fact that they're trying to be like okay we're going to do whatever we can to keep Russ upright, to keep Russ straight. And why are you smiling? Are you smiling because of being optimistic? I'm like doing this yeah. like, ah, it's awful. I want to be mean. This, this is hard for us to do. I mean, I'm, we're doing it. For I'm people. doing eh, eh, <laughs> at 19 and it's only going to get more optimistic from here. Oh yeah. So wait until you get a load of as we keep going. Uh, but yeah, solid offensive line. I mean, they probably should have done more last year. I mean, if they were that good, they would have, you know, been able to protect Russell Wilson a little bit more. I know he, I know he's really bad, uh, but he would have performed better, and they would have had a better run game. Like, their run game wasn't elite last year. Like, they definitely could have performed better on the O-line, but like you said, got plenty of names to back them up. Uh, but let's move on to the front seven, and we've got them ranked towards the bottom of the barrel in the league. I got them ranked at 29th, and um, honestly, like I, I was talking about it before the podcast, like Randy Gregory sticks out on this list, and it shouldn't because Randy Gregory might not even be that great anymore. But who are you excited to see this year on this Broncos front seven? Yeah, Randy Gregory was their big offseason. I would say their big offseason acquisition last year because obviously that was Russell Wilson. But he was their big signing. When that happened, I was like, how do they still have the money to do this? Like, very rarely do you see, like, if the Jets were to go out and sign, like, another player at the top of their market after they traded for Aaron Rodgers this year. That would have been, like, pretty weird. But right. obviously, it's going to help them this year. Obviously, they don't have him last year. I think he uh, got injured in week four or five, ends up missing the rest of the mm-hmm. year, which uh really hurt their front seven then the midseason trade uh of Bradley Chubb which kind of signaled to the rest of the league that this isn't Denver's year if they didn't have that figured out already by week eight or nine uh after watching some film <laughs> them trading away Bradley Chubb for a first round pick uh definitely did the trick I believe and ultimately that <clears throat> pick ends up being the pick that lands them Sean Payton so you traded out Bradley Chubb for Sean Payton you know we'll see how that works um, but that really was like the dagger, you know, we're talking two years ago. This is, was, was probably in the top five or six with Von Miller, Bradley Chubb. Uh, now it's been completely overhauled here. Now you got Randy Gregory and Zach Allen, who was another big signing from this off season who they gave a pretty significant amount of money on a per year basis as well. I believe he was getting somewhere in the 12 to 13 million a year range maybe a little bit more than that uh you do have baron browning who showed some flashes last year i liked a lot of what i saw from him he's a converted linebacker he's now playing edge uh was a little inconsistent and that was kind of the problem with him but i think that if they can you know figure some stuff out with him work with him a little bit more he's got the tools to do it and you know you've got a nice edge pair of browning and randy gregory and then zach allen kind of playing like an actual end role uh, the main problem, or not the problem, because again, optimism, is this linebacker pair. Uh, they did grade well last year, but you're not super, ex- like, you can't ask a whole lot of Josie Jewell and Alex Singleton. Like, they can't run a whole lot of cover two because you're not having either of these guys chase a post like you would. I know this is like the extreme example of like a Fred Warner or somebody like that. Like you can't have those guys doing those things because quite frankly, they're just not capable, but they're, they're downhill going forward types of linebackers who are going to be fine for you, but they're not going to really help you. You know, as I sit here is 29, maybe a little low, maybe. 
because you've got ta- you got talent here. Like Randy Gregory, Zach Allen. We look up. We have the Falcons. I mean, Calais Campbell, Anya Mata, Grady Jarrett. The Rams have yeah. Aaron Donald, so we kind of had to put them to a certain height, but we obviously know yeah. the rest of the situation there. This isn't a strength for this team, obviously. It's hard. Our, our next, the, yeah. the real strength of this defense is going to be up next with the secondary, uh, but I do think that this <sighs> is a this is a uh, room with some room to improve with Randy Gregory potentially coming back. I mean, he was a monster in his last year in Dallas. Like people forget about that. That's why he got, you know, a five-year, $80 million deal in Denver. And if he can return to that form and we see Zach Allen continue to produce like he did, we see in uh, a little bit more uh, development from Baron Browning, you know, maybe we're talking about this as a top 20 group next year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the optimism that we're looking for here. And I want to walk back my Randy Gregory thing anymore because it was unoptimistic. And this is the last time I harp on the optimism. Uh, but Randy Gregory, like I didn't mean to say that we don't know if he's good anymore because he was great the last time we saw him in Dallas. But it's been a long time since we saw him last play football. So that's the only reason I said that. But according to the last time we saw him, he'll be great. So let's move on to the secondary rankings as you mentioned for the denver broncos and we're looking up here um they are ranked sixth almost said seven uh but sixth among all 32 teams in the national football league when it comes to their secondary and it really starts with none other than patrick Sertain. i mean he's developed into a top three corner in this league at least like i mean there's our there's an argument to be said that he could be one, but I mean, you got sauce, like he'll definitely give him the competition, but nonetheless, he's been phenomenal ever since he entered the league and probably our next shutdown corner. Um, and then we got Justin Simmons there as well. A multi-time pro bowler, one of the best safeties in the league. Uh, so you got two guys like that on your secondary, and that's definitely helping them get to this six overall ranking. Um, you got Kareem Jackson there as well. Um, but solid group of secondary players, and who do you see bursting out this year? I mean, you got glowing things to say about Sertain? Yeah, I mean, I love Sertain. Sertain was not my number one corner in his class, in that class with J.C. Horn, and I mean, I guess it really was just J.C. Horn, and then a tear gap down to, you know, Caleb Farley, Eric Stokes, those guys, but still was my number one corner, was one of my top players in that class, and has proved to be one of the top players uh, really in the NFL. Like I, I think he's CB one in the NFL right now. I hear your sauce arguments. I hear your Jalen Ramsey, your Jair Alexander, Alexander or Jair Alexander arguments. Um, that's, I think that's more, I think that's better than Alexander. I think we need to send a petition his way. Yeah. Jair Alexander. Yeah. I needed to say without the yeah. mic muted. Good idea. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I, I like rolls off. Yeah. It makes him sound a lot more sophisticated than Alexander. We'll talk. We'll talk. We should have talked about that the other day with the Packers episode. We're really not good at this. Um, okay. Phenomenal quarterback or phenomenal quarterback, nonetheless. Yeah. Jeez, man, this fucking. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but this secondary ranking is carried by that cornerback and safety duo. I think that, if I'm not mistaken, is definitely the best pair of pairing of corner and safety in the NFL. Uh, maybe AJ Terrell and Jesse Bates are knocking on your door a little bit, but I'd, I'd still go with these two. Um, the The thing that really uh, puts Sertain ahead of me is he's also one of the best run defending corners in the NFL. Like that really matters as well to go with elite coverage ability. He's also towards the top in grading for run defense. Uh, Justin Simmons has been grading well throughout the last few years hasn't really been like the best safety in the NFL. He's still in that argument. You're in that conversation with Minka, with Derwin, with Jesse Bates. Like it's really those four uh, on a year to year basis. And it's probably going to be like that for the next few years. The rest of this group, you've got your question marks. Uh, Kareem Jackson is like 57 years old now. And you're starting to wonder, like I'd almost guarantee you that he gets a coaching job as soon as he retires, but it's just a matter of when they're going to do that. They've already done the thing where they move him back from corner to safety. Can't really move him much back further than that. So I think he might have one more good year left in him. Um, it's just a matter of when it's, you know, when is he going to realize that the, you know, the hourglass is empty. Um, you got Damari Mathis and Kawan Williams here. Kawan Williams coming over from San Francisco, solid player, 
not going to you know move the needle a whole lot. Same thing with Damari Mathis. The only problem is with us ranking them this high, if they lose Simmons or they lose Sertain, and I know that that's the case for a lot of teams, if they lose their best player in a certain position, their ranking is probably going to go down by a lot. But if they lose one of these guys for any significant length of time, it could be trouble not just for the secondary, not just for this defense, but for this entire team. Because, you know, we had the front seven at uh, 28th. If they lose Sertain, this is one of the lower rated cornerback groups in the league. You just have Justin Simmons back there and they're going to be guarding, you know, for four five, six seconds because the front seven, you know, is not going to be able to generate as much pressure as a lot of the other front sevens in the league. So that keeps the offense, you know, on the field all the time. And we, from what we saw last year, that's not exactly what we want here in Denver. Um, but st- nonetheless, you know, Sertain's phenomenal. Justin Sims is phenomenal. It's just a matter of can these other guys hold up, you know, on the other side. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is a group that can lock down guys and create turnovers. And, I mean, if this group can create enough turnovers this year and play like one of the better secondaries in the league, like the sixth one that we have them ranked as, I mean, it'll make it a life a lot easier on Russell Wilson and the rest of the offense. And Sean Payton will be able to help a lot with that on the defensive side as well because, I mean, he had some great years uh, on the defensive side in New Orleans. So I've got to love that. But let's move on from the secondary and let's dive into the guy I just mentioned, and that is Mr. Sean Payton, who's had a little bit of an interesting last, like, 10 years or so, I guess. Uh, he started out, I mean, I don't even know where he started. But he was a great coach um, for the New Orleans Saints for a long time. And uh, then TB after Drew Brees retired. And it was kind of like, oh, how long will Sean Payton be in TV? Because we kind of expect him to be a head coach somewhere at some point. And um, he was just waiting for the right opportunity. And he saw Denver as that right opportunity. And uh, we've got ranked as the fifth or this coaching staff overall as the fifth best coaching staff in football this year. I think Sean Payton's going to make some waves this year, man. I mean, this is a guy that's been in touch with the league. Like it's not like he's an old guy. That's just old school football. And it's just out of touch. Like this is a guy that's stayed in the league and he'll be able to adapt. Like, I mean, he's one of the, I mean, Sean Payton's definitely got outside of bounty gate. He's definitely got a hall of fame case for sure. The kid, because he does have a Super Bowl. The Saints were almost always competitive. They had a few years there where they were a little rough. Uh, I think Bounty Gate's going to hold him out, you know, regardless of whether he should be in or not. I don't think he'll get in because of Bounty Gate. Like, people forget, like, that season after Bounty Gate, like, they lost everything. Like, they're... A lot of their defense was suspended. Like, that was... It was a very weird time in the NFL was uh, the post-Bounty Gate stuff. Also, John, I know that this is completely unrelated, but you feel like that would, and I know the Hall of Fame is much different than getting a TV job, but like Jonathan Vilma, two or three years after he retired, was right in a booth. And I kind of thought, not that it's like a DUI or drugs or anything like that, but I feel like he would have gotten passed over a little bit because of the Bounty Gate stuff. Not saying that he should work. We need to cut this out. This is awful. Um, anyway... <laughs> Sean Payton. Bounty Gate is definitely in the conversation when you talk about Sean Payton. Yeah, it, and I mean, like, we're this isn't a legacy conversation about Sean. It's what he's going to bring to Denver right. because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the Denver Broncos. Right. I'm sorry for getting First away from that. Um, but he's going to bring his system over here that I think is going to help Russell Wilson a lot. It's going to make it much more quick stuff. We saw that in Drew Brees. He's Sean Payton also has uh, some significant experience working with a smaller uh, quarterback. And getting having success with that guy also has been able to produce multiple phenomenal receivers as well uh, throughout his years. We know we saw Marcus Colston be great. We saw Michael Thomas be great in New Orleans. We also saw Jimmy Graham be great. So maybe the way that Sean Payton likes to use tight ends maybe pushes back a little bit of how Russell Wilson doesn't like to use tight ends. We maybe we see a little bit more Greg Dulcich this year. Who knows as far as that goes? Um, flipping over to the offensive coordinator. Good point. Uh, 
kind of the opposite kind of conversation. I really had to uh, censor Mitchell's conversation around Joe Lombardi after Joe Lombardi spent the last two years as the offensive coordinator with the Chargers, and Mitchell didn't have not have a whole lot of nice words to say about uh, Joseph there. So <laughs> we kind of uh, kind of had to ring that in a little. Not bit. optimistic. Yeah, absolutely. We do not do no. that anymore. So uh, <laughs> kind of to rein that in a little bit, but. It's worrisome. You know, he's not going to be calling plays here, which is the, you know, the main reason why I'm not like going crazy about the fact that they hired him. Uh, he knows Sean Payton's scheme. He knows a lot of the terminology. Sean Payton's scheme is one of the hardest to understand in the NFL. Uh, it's a lot of terminology that needs to be flipped over from team to team, you know, with all those guys came in with Russ and Russ had to learn all the Nate Hackett stuff. Now they got to learn it all again with Sean Payton. So that'll be one of the things that might, you know, struggle for them for the first few weeks. And we saw how things got off the rails last year when they struggled through the first few weeks. Uh, they also bring in uh, Vance Joseph here uh, coming over from Arizona, right? Why did I think it was San Francisco? No, that was D'Amico Ryan's. Yeah. Arizona. Uh, obviously didn't put together the greatest defense last year, but is a, one of the better defensive minded coaches in the NFL or has, you know, has had a head coaching job in the past has been in the NFL for a long time. Um, that was one of Sean Payton's things was like, we need a, uh, big time DC here, whether it be a Vic Fangio or somebody like that. Like that was one of the conversations that maybe Vic Fangio comes back to Denver to pair up with Sean Payton. They ultimately bring in Vance Joseph. They're going to do a lot of the same things that Dennis Allen did in new Orleans, where, you know, it's a lot of attacking uh, three, four fronts that are going to hopefully help this pass rush because they're not. It's not going to be like a sit, send four and sit everybody back. Like they're going to be sending a lot of stunts, getting these guys free, and that's how they're going to generate pressure and that's how they're going to help this secondary. So all around, you know, we have this as the fifth best coaching staff in the NFL. And if there's a reason why you're optimistic for Denver, it's what they've done to overhaul this staff. Absolutely. And I mean, Joe Lombardi, as you said, did not have the most glowing offense in L.A. with the Chargers last year. Uh, but he does have a lot of experience with Sean Payton. He worked with Sean Payton starting in 2007 and worked for him through 2013. He was offensive assistant. He was a quarterback's coach. Then he was quarterback's coach again in 2016. So he's got plenty of familiarity with Sean Payton. And then Vance Joseph, like people forget, he was the head coach of the, of the Broncos. At one point. So it's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're right. Like, I didn't realize. I had to look it up to, like, confirm. I thought I was tripping. But, like, he has familiarity with Denver. So, like, it's not just Sean Payton, as you said, that makes this coaching staff so great. It's the collective. And I think if you're looking for it reasons is, to be optimistic, wow. I, the coaching staff is right. I really, like, now I know that that's such a small thing. But, like, now that I'm sitting here and talking myself through it, obviously we don't feel glowingly about Joe Lombardi. But... I really like this staff, and one thing that I, you know, commend uh, George Payton for doing is there's no salary cap for the coaching staff. You can come in and you can right. sign, you know, Sean Payton to eighteen million dollars a year. You can go get the best quarterbacks coach, the best running backs coach, uh, Davis Webb, quarterbacks coach here for Denver. Um, just a little, just a little tidbit for you, but. They can spend as much as they want on this coaching staff. You can go assemble the greatest coaching staff ever, financially anyway, and there are no limitations to that. Like, no one can stop you. There's no salary cap for it. So I think that's something that these teams, especially like these teams that are getting bought, like Washington, for example, would not be surprised if, you know, Josh Harris wants to bring a winner into D.C., start paying up for these coaches and, you know, you, you can't, you, we already started. You can only limit how much you pay the players, but you there's no limit to what you can do for coaches. So big, big ups to him on that. And that's why we have this coaching staff as high as we do. Yeah, for sure. Definitely a lot of reasons to be excited for this team this year for show. Uh, but let's dive into the schedule and let's pick what we think this team is going to do this year as far as their over under and win total. Uh, so their strength of schedule this year is ranked 12th. Uh, the Vegas over-under is eight and a half. And considering it's 17 games, considering it can't get much worse than last year, considering that basically everything points up for this team from last year, I think, I think I'm going to go over. I think 
I'm very optimistic about this season for the Denver Broncos, man. They do play in a very tough division, so that'll be hard. But, I mean, look down the schedule. Like, God, they play Kansas City twice. Mm, play Chargers twice. They get the AFC East, Buffalo. which is my thing, is they get the AFC East, which is arguably the toughest division in football. You know, we talked about last season with Russ coming over. We were like, is the AFC West the best division we've ever seen in the history of sports? And the AFC East has quickly topped that in, you know, one season. So they play that. They also play the NFC North as well. I hate to do this in the optimism episode. But I think I'm going to have to go under here for Denver. To get to nine wins means this team is probably going to be like playing week 18 for like a win and in type scenario of making the playoffs. And quite frankly, with how stacked the AFC is, you know, we have a good amount of AFC teams left in our power rankings here. I can't see that being the situation here for Denver. I really can't. Like, as much as I want to be optimistic about Russell Wilson and Sean Payton and that pairing, I don't know if Sean Payton can fix that overnight. And maybe it's better, but is it? Does Russell Wilson return to being a top eight quarterback? I don't know if I see that. And in this conference where pretty much, you know, your top eight quarterbacks, you're talking about Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, Lamar, Aaron Rodgers, um, Justin Herbert. They're all here. Like they're all, two of them are in your division. Two of them are in the division that you're playing. And... You know, there's there's a lot of tough quarterbacks on this schedule. You know, you, you throw Tua in there. You throw, I mean, I wouldn't call him a quote-unquote tough quarterback. Kirk Cousins is a good quarterback. Hey, whoa, Deshaun whoa, Watson whoa. In there. Tough quarterback whoa. is like, we're like, oh, shit, we got this guy this week. Nobody's saying that about Kirk Cousins, respectfully, towards Kirk Cousins. Quarterback series star Kirk Cousins. Nobody's like, nobody's losing sleep over Kirk Cousins, respectfully. But respectfully, to be honest, I thought you said that about Tua, and I was like, that is a very poor choice of words when it comes to talking about Tua. Talk about it a little I love, but I love anybody's losing sleep over Tua, but we'll talk about that another day. Um, but this is still we talked about. This is the twelfth schedule. What was the uh, what was the colorfulness uh, strength of schedule coming in for you? I try. I, I mean, tried to get a little a different. Very like, colorful schedule. notice the yellow for the chargers as opposed to the usual, you know, that lightning bolt blue. We also went red for the Texans mm-hmm. instead of that Navy blue, because they're playing them on the road. You want to be able to see that they're playing them in week 13. We even went red for the bills as well. You know, you're only, I mean, they don't pass the color test. I mean, this is a rainbow. Your only on dark points are green Bay and Washington. And really other than that, you're looking at positive colors on the brightness scale. Silver and black. I Silver, but the thing is, that's still like a brightish color. Like white is okay. Okay. <laughs> what are we doing? Okay, is white a bright color? I mean, there's an argument to be made. It might be the brightest color. Exactly. Exactly. What's what's looks like what's silver. brighter? Yeah. I know, but I'm saying like that's definitely more okay. that that silver that gray is leaning more white than it is black. But what's brighter, a yellow light or a white light? A white light. So. I would say that white, okay. and I know again that is silver. So fair, fair play. But this is all At right. Least we know one, our one out of ten on the colorfulness strength of schedule. We're going to do this for every episode, <laughs> by the way, from now on. All right, um, gonna I'm going to go. Let's just in comparison to the ones that we've seen so far on a one to ten scale. I'm going to go seven. I'd give you seven. Now I want to like just start like pulling like the littlest color that they have in their logo. Like they had this color twenty years ago, but it's really bright, and I'm gonna pop it on there as their. Thing. You're gonna be searching for specific yeah. colors in Canva, like that are top, like number one hundred, top five, yeah, like eighty-seven. <laughs> just watch a YouTube video montage. All right, we are officially off the rails here, uh, but. Last thing I'll say about this schedule slide is we were talking about the playoffs. Like, if they do win nine teams or nine games, then they're knocking on the door of the playoffs. And you think back to last year, I mean, with 17 games now, like, there's a solid chance that that team makes the playoffs. I mean, we had a 9 and 8 Jacksonville make the playoffs. 
10 and 7 Chargers, 10 and 7 Ravens, 9 and 8 Dolphins, but one, uh, 8 and 9 Bucks, one thing, 9 and 7 and 1 Giants, 9 8 and 1 Seahawks. One thing that's a little yeah. different there is A, Jacksonville, who you mentioned uh, as a 9 win, they win their division. Same thing with Tampa Bay. That's in the NFC, right. and that's a whole different I know. thing. I know. We also had yeah. two teams with 9 wins in the New England Patriots and my very own Pittsburgh Steelers have nine wins and miss the playoffs. So I could see that happening. Like if they win nine wins or if they get nine wins, they could be that team on the outside looking in with nine wins. Maybe they don't have the tiebreakers. We're really, we're really dissecting here and doing some very pessimistic projecting. But if I'll tell you, if they go over, they're definitely knocking on the door. If I'll tell you this, if they go over, it's because Russell Wilson's a top 12 quarterback in the NFL. They cannot, they will not win nine games if Russell Wilson is even close to what he was like in Russell Wilson's best game last year, he was bad. And if he's that guy all year next year, they're not winning nine games. Like he's really got to step it up and return to Seattle, Russell Wilson, which I'm sure he can do, especially with Sean Payton here. But you know, like I said, on his best day last year, he was not a good quarterback. So you've really, he's really got to pick it up heading into this year. And you know, if he doesn't, we're looking at Denver as having like one of the roughest looking futures in the NFL because of that contract and because there's almost no way out. Yeah, I mean that's the truth. Couldn't say it any better myself personally. So, all right, let's move on and start to wrap this up with the ranking slide. And as we mentioned all episode, uh, they came in at 19th overall. Uh, we put their offense, as far as the Blitz Pod consensus goes, at 17. Uh, the defense ranks out at 19. Uh, and then their championship window, we have it as closed two to three years away, which you could look at it like it's open right now because, I mean, this time last year it was certainly open and it looked like they were diving in. So, like, roster construction-wise, they're buying in, but... You're going to have to – this is a roster that hasn't been rebuilt yet and has to be rebuilt at some point. You got the you got the wide eyes right now, man. I mean, when they traded for Russell Wilson, it was like, okay, this team could like possibly win a division, maybe go to the Super Bowl. Like that was the talk this time. I don't year. know if you're in the same room or the same house that we're in, but the championship window in Denver at this current moment on July 16th, at 9.54 in the year of our Lord, 2023, is closed. Not open at this moment in time. I would say the playoff The playoff window is open. I need to declare. I will will grant you that. They are in the – because obviously, you know, we talk about it. The analogy is it's a circle. Championship window is like this. Playoff window is like this. Like you can can get right back in it a lot quicker. The playoff window is bigger. Wow, dude. You have worked Dude, that analogy um, so well. I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm great. gonna pitch it to Apple and see, just see if they can use it for <laughs> anything. I just want to, I just want to put it, just want to put it on the radar. They're gonna take Steve Jobs out of the cryo chamber. He yeah. needs to hear that. One. Um, but continue. But this was a tough one because a lot of the teams we've had leading up to this don't have, like I've talked about, they don't have a quarterback in place where you know what, good, bad, or whatever. You know, they've either got a young guy or they've got a stopgap guy or it's Jordan Love who's somewhere in the middle. Um, Denver is locked into Russell Wilson. They have to have Russell Wilson on be the starting quarterback for the next two to three years. I don't know what the hell. I'm just going to call him out. I'm sorry. Mitchell fucking put in the season analysis that they could be looking at Caleb Williams and Drake May next year. Caleb Williams and Drake May cannot work for this team because they're going to have to pay their backup $50 million a year. And nobody's trading for Russell Wilson, regardless of what kind of season he has this year. Russell Wilson's not going to be tradable uh, just at this age with that money. So this team will not be bad enough. Oh, yeah. And that too. Uh, to one I, or Caleb Williams. And like that, what happened last year was the absolute worst thing that could have happened to the Denver Broncos. The worst thing that could have happened to Russell Wilson. And they still won five games you know and i mean that's obviously not great they ended up their pick which ended up in seattle's uh their pick was fifth and they were 
literally the worst thing could have happened. I can't see that happening this year. You know, if we get a healthy Javante Williams, we, you know, see a healthy season from these receivers, obviously Sean Payton coming in as the coach can't see them winning less than five games, uh, this upcoming season to be in the running for that kind of situation. But the reason why this is so hard is because Russell Wilson's here and we don't know what he's going to be. We, we can't be like, Oh yeah, there's like, it's not like they've got Bryce young where it's like, Oh yeah, two to three years from now, he should be really good. Russell Wilson two to three years from now could be like completely unstartable in the NFL, but they're going to have to run him out there because of how much they're paying him and how they have no outs for this quarterback thing. And it's not like it's like Jimmy Garoppolo or something where it's like, well, we got one year of this. And then next year we could be you know, looking at our young quarterback of the future. Like, it's just a matter of, can they fix Russ? Can Sean Payton figure out this Russell Wilson thing? If yes, I, I don't know if we're like in that, like jump right into quarterback or jump right into championship window type scenario. Cause this roster, you know, like we pointed out still does have some holes on it. You know, this isn't a perfect group of weaponry. The front seven is still a little questionable. Uh, the secondary has got some holes on it. You know, every team has holes, but even if Russell Wilson returns to that top eight form, are we talking about a championship team here in Denver in the same division as the Kansas City Chiefs in the same division as the Chargers in the same conferences, the Bills, the Jets, the Ravens, the Bengals? Like if they were in the NFC, like I said, we'd probably be talking about them a week and a half from now just because of the competition that they're going to be playing. We'd feel a lot better about them, but they're in such a stacked conference that I don't know if we can say that they're even close to a championship window. Uh, Just to touch on the offense defense rankings before we wrap up here. 17th and 19th, I think that's very fair. I think these are two very middling groups. The one thing is the defense, the room to improve is it's there because, you know, we get we get Randy Gregory back, Zach Allen coming in. You still have one of the elite corners, one of the elite safeties in the NFL, but you're probably not going any higher than like 15, 14, 13, somewhere around there. With this offense... 17th we were i wouldn't call this the benefit of the doubt but it kind of was a little bit of like well we don't know what russell wilson could be we feel a little bit better with sean payton coming in if russell wilson is that guy is that top 10 ish quarterback you know we're probably talking about a top 10 ish offense if russell wilson comes back and does the exact same shit as last year I don't know. I don't know what we're going to be doing, what the conversation is going to be around Denver next year, but we're talking about a bottom six or seven offense, you know, because it's, it's all going to run through him, quite frankly. And, you know, is one of the biggest swing factors in the NFL is what Russell Wilson's going to do this season and could really shape the Broncos, shape the course of this division and hell, maybe shape part of the future of the NFL of, you know, what Russell Wilson's going to be over these next few years. But it's going to be fun to watch for sure. Absolutely. I mean, it was as bad as it was last year. It was fun. It was plenty of fun. Uh, All the Russell Wilson memes. Yeah, exactly. Like, not fun for anybody. We should have known when Mile High Stadium was on fire in like June or July, and we saw that. I'll never because I remember like the uh, like the Thanos thumbnail. It's like, what was he cooking? I put Russell Wilson's face. I thought that was fucking hilarious. It didn't do well on Instagram, but I thought it was fucking hilarious. I liked it. I liked it, man. It was awesome. It was like, what's he doing in there? Like I, yeah, exactly. But the title on this season for the Denver Broncos, will Russell Wilson cook once again? So we shall see in the 2023 season ahead. But that does it for our 19th ranked Broncos episode. Uh, episode 18 coming out next. And we can't wait to bring the rest of the episodes out to you throughout the rest of the summer. So catch you later. Peace.